Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joining me today, he's the owner and CEO of Peak Luxury Travel. It's AJ Crow. How are you doing today, AJ? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm excited to learn about your rise to the challenge. We'd like Happy to, to be here. Right at the beginning, talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Yeah, so I was uh, born in Philadelphia, raised in Nashville, Tennessee. I moved there when I was 13 months old. Uh, it, you know, familiar story. Dad had a, a job opportunity there, moved the family there. Our whole family was is from Philadelphia. So they took a big jump leaving and going to Nashville, Tennessee, which I will say in, in 1991, Nashville, Tennessee is not the same as it is now. Uh, it's definitely a lot bigger, a lot more, uh, a lot more mystique to it than Nashville. Uh, back then it was pretty much kind of like Beverly Hillbillies to, you know, to all, uh, to all of, of our fa extended family that was in Philadelphia and, and up in the Northeast. So grew up there, uh, awesome place to grow up. And, uh, you know, I was into sports, football, basketball uh, growing up. And, and, you know, those were my hobbies, passions. One of three kids is the youngest of three kids. Uh, so obviously growing up comes with with all of those, uh, you know, two very athletic brothers. So it was a lot of, you know, the typical three boy uh, kind of household. Um, but yeah, we just always had a lot of fun and um, wound up going to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, uh, SMU, to, as some people know better. And uh, I graduated from SMU and, and was looking for job opportunities after that and just uh, met my uh, now wife our senior year. And we both kind of just said, hey, we, you know, we love Dallas. There's plenty of opportunities here. And, uh, and we stayed and, you know, started working here after college and been here ever since. And uh, now all of uh, both of our families live here in, uh, in Dallas. So we're all about a mile away from each other. So we, uh, we got my parents out here and uh, my wife's from Oklahoma. Her family came out, uh, her parents had always had a place here, but then they, they moved here full time too. So uh, we're all one big happy family here. So growing up with three brothers, was it more like a competitive feel? Like were you guys trying to challenge each other to become better individuals? You know, it, it's interesting. A lot of people that I know that grew up with you know, multiple siblings, usually multiple brothers. It was a lot of, you know, beating up on each other, beating up on the little ones. Uh, we didn't have that. Uh, it was funny. I, my mom was always, uh, you know, very, very worried about what video games we were playing. And it was kind of at the height of, you know, everyone worried about violence in video games leading to violence and in, in kids and stuff. And we had, you know, we were, I think we maybe got in one fight collectively um, and it was when we were older on the basketball court and it was a, a one push and that was pretty much it. So no, we, we, um, we were all very, very, very supportive of each other. Uh, we're all three athletes we were, you know, kind of excelled all in, in different sports, which kind of helped that out a little bit, but we were just, you know, there was never that, um, you know, worrying about, you know, one worrying that the other one was outshining or anything like that. We were all three years apart which kind of helped. So when our, my oldest brother was a senior, my middle brother was a freshman uh, and I was in middle school. Uh, so there was never that time where we were both, uh, you know, two of us were playing at once, which, you know, we would have liked that, but uh, no, it was always a very, very, very supportive environment. And, you know, we're always, you know, even when my brothers left, they would come back to as many of my games as, as they could go to. And uh, we just, 
you know, like I said, we, we, there was never any of that animosity or anything. We just, uh, you know, we just all wanted to, to do the best that we possibly could. Did you have someone that you kind of looked up to or inspired to be growing up? Uh, you know, my dad was an incredible example for us. And, you know, he continues to, to kind of echo in our, you know, all three of us in, in the way that we, you know, have, have approached our careers and our lives. He was, you know, his dad passed away when he was five years old and, you know, wasn't a, uh, you know, a silver spoon kind of situation. Uh, wasn't born on third base. He, uh, he, you know, had to scratch and claw for everything that he had. And, you know, he built up his business, uh, you know, a, a phenomenal career, uh, went out on his own, had a, you know, a situation turn out to, um, you know, where he, he took a risk and it didn't work out and he was left with, uh, you know, a one-year-old, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and uh, had, you know, lost everything. And it, in a very, very short amount of time, uh, that was why we wound up moving to Nashville and built himself back up completely, uh, which is, you know, not something that's easy to do with, um, you know, at 30, you know, in your late thirties, early forties, and was able to go on to have a, you know, incredibly successful career. So it's really, it, it, you don't need to find any other role models when you've got that in, in your home and just that drive and determination and, you know, not stopping until you achieve what you want. Um, and, and then I'll, I, I got to say also too, uh, my mom, who, who was just an incredibly supportive wife that allowed him to be able to do all of the things that he needed to do. And, you know, it's not easy growing up or not easy raising three boys as, uh, as a, as a woman, especially like we were, um, you know, she always jokes that you know, she used to be nice before, uh, before raising us, but she was just an absolutely incredible mom. Uh, you know, she was super woman, uh, to us too. So, um, obviously for different reasons, but both of them were, were just incredible role models for us. Playing sports. What's something that you learned about yourself playing those sports? You know, I, I, I say to everybody, uh, anytime this kind of thing comes up, there's, there's nothing more important than getting your butt kicked. Uh, growing up and and losing and feeling what that's like and knowing that, you know, because out on the field or, or the court, you know, it's one place in this world where you don't deserve, you know, you don't get anything just because you showed up. You got to earn it every day. Um, that was the biggest thing. And, you know, I was five, nine growing up. You know, I was not the, the biggest, fastest or strongest. So it, it taught me to, you know, first of all, you've got to go out and have confidence as soon as you step onto the, you know, step into the arena. And it, you know, it carries over into the business too. Um, but you got to be, uh, you got to be confident. You got to work hard, and you got to know. Uh, you you have to know inside and out. You got to be smarter than everybody else, and, and think about things in a way that nobody else is going to think to be able to get any sort of advantage. Because um, most people don't have an athletic advantage. Most people are like me, you know, average size, uh, average gift, uh, you know, average gifts athletically. Um, so you just got to figure out how to be creative and, and how to grow and, and get an, an advantage on everybody else. I think you kind of mentioned, I consider myself a wild card when it comes to sports. Like you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> on the field. So I feel that you kind of have that psychological advantage in a way where they think, Oh, he's not going to be that great. But then when I turn it around and show people that I am good at something, it's like, well, you picked me last or something. <laughs> I regretted that decision. But Absolutely. Kind of like you find your inner gladiator in a way. How do you overcome obstacles when you get defeat? And what do you learn about yourself? What can you do better? And I think that's the greatest thing. Because some of these teams that go perfect records, it's like 
okay, maybe did you get lucky or did you play well? But there's probably something that you could have done better. Like if you gave up a touchdown, okay, how do I stop that? But it's hard to know what those things are if you're not going through those failures and overcoming those obstacles. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think with everything, it's it's all about what's your perspective on it, right? So what? So how are you looking at it? So yeah, I was I was always one of those that hey, anything you, that we learn from a loss, we can learn from a win, right? I I, I never I just I was never and you know was, uh, my dad was was the same way. I was just always you know my mom would always say you know well hey at least you can learn some. I would say anything we learn from a loss, we can learn from a win, but. The only reason I, I think that I was able to kind of have that mindset, and the only way I think that mindset really works is if you, like you said, if you're looking at, okay, we won, great, why did we win, right? Where, if, if, if we won by, you know, if we won by two touchdowns, how could we have won by three, right? Or why did we get into to a couple of those situations where we didn't want to? And that's something that I, you know, I think that's kind of life in general, right? Is, you know, when things, when good things happen or, or you know, something kind of falls into your lap, Instead of just, you know, thinking, hey, everything's always going to work out or, you know, hey, we're, you know, I've just, I've just got it, right? I've got the touch. Why did it happen, right? Why, why did, we, uh, did we get that win? Why did that sale happen? Why did that, uh, you know, whatever it is, go so well? Um, so, yeah, it's all about perspective, but I, I think you're absolutely right, especially, you know, if you're in that situation where you're, you know, you're not 6'4", 220 and, and are, you know, an extremely gifted athlete it's that perspective that meant you got to bring the, the mental edge there uh, if you don't have the physical edge. Definitely. Did you have any dream goals that you wanted to accomplish eventually in the future as you were growing up? Yeah. I always wanted to own my own business um, you know, or, or, or run a company. And it, that was one thing, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, well, what did your parents do? Right? You know, my dad was very successful running companies. So that was kind of the first thing that, you know, really, jumped out of me was, yeah, I want to run a, that was kind of how I, uh, how I define success. And, uh, you know, really growing up, I, I didn't, I didn't really see myself as taking the entrepreneur route. Uh, so, you know, I eventually kind of got there by necessity, but yeah, I just, I, I was just the opportunity to, to lead a company, to run a company uh, and a business and be able to lead people and create opportunities for people was just, that was, that was always my goal that I had. I think for me, entrepreneurship was never something that I thought I would be. Now, as I say it today, it's kind of like one of those best things that has happened to me because you kind of understand how to make sure you know how to do different tasks and be able to gain those skills. And at a young age, you kind of just, oh, I'm going to run a million dollar business. Okay, well, how are you going to do that? You kind of start feeling it out as you go to college and learning the different skill sets from there. But it's kind of sounds like you wanted to follow in your dad's footsteps. He ran a successful company. You wanted to do that also. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're exactly right. And, you know, of course, growing up, you very little time is spent kind of fleshing out that how is a lot of times spent on like, Oh no, I'm going to, and it's never like, no, nah, I just want to run like a nice, you know, small to medium sized business that makes a good, comfortable living. It's always, now nah, I want to run a, you know, a million dollar business or, billion dollar business, whatever it is. Uh, never, never much thought on, on the how, but yeah, you're right. I, I was always, you know, always looked at my dad as, as that model and, you know, wanted to follow in his footsteps. And uh, it was also just something that I, I really did love doing. It wasn't one of those situations where it was like, well, you know, I've got to do this because I don't want my dad to be disappointed in me if 
I, if I don't do this. Um, it was never like that. It was, you know, it was just, he was going to be supportive of, of whatever I did as long as, as I worked hard and it made sense. And, uh, but yeah, just, I, I just always loved that. It, it was that opportunity to, to lead a, a, you know, a team of people in a group and, and build and grow something. So living in Nashville, what brought you to Dallas to go to school or university? It, yeah, it, it was a weird story. I was a, I was a disillusioned high school junior and senior that thought, well, yeah, I know I'm five nine and and average athletically, but maybe there's some school that'll, you know, that'll see my, you know, game tape and everything and, and want me. And so I applied to a bunch of schools that, you know, I had good grades and, and had good test scores. Uh, applied to a bunch of Ivy League schools that looking back on it uh, with the you know, hindsight and a little more education was just a pipe dream. Uh, and uh, so that didn't work out. And so I wound up with, you know, University of Tennessee and, um, and one other small school in, in Tennessee, uh, Belmont is right in Nashville. And I didn't want to go to either of them because I always wanted to go away to school. Um, you know, I didn't want to stay where, where you know, all of where it was going to be comfortable. So, you know, I, I was, probably March of my senior year, you know, everyone's all ready to go and submitting their, you know, their colleges for graduation gifts and, and for, you know, graduation ceremonies and stuff. And I had no idea. I just knew I, I had two places I didn't really want to go to. And so uh, my brother at the time was living uh, in Dallas and working uh, for a, a company out here. And he said, well, why don't you apply to SMU? It's a beautiful campus. You know, it's a really, really good school. I had honestly never really even heard of it. And so I just started to do some research. I thought, all right, well, be a good business school. It looks like a really nice campus. My brother lives there and, and you know, he says the campus is beautiful. Um, I eventually found out that he had never actually set foot on campus. And uh, so <laughs> I, I took a leap of faith on something that <laughs> didn't actually turn out to be, um, to be true. But uh, nonetheless, he, he was right. And it is a, you know, one of the most beautiful campuses in the country. But um, you know, just, it just felt right. You know, he was there. It was good. You know, enough, you know, kind of, of feelings of home without being, you know, just in a super comfortable situation. So, um, yeah, in, in March or April, I just emailed the admissions office and was like, Hey, here's my resume. Here's, you know, here are my grades and scores. Um, would you let me apply? And sure enough, they luckily they did and, uh, wound up getting in a couple weeks later. So I've got a late start, but, uh, but yeah, that's how I wound up going to SMU. And obviously, uh, since I met my wife there, uh, it turned out to be the right decision. And uh, yeah, just it, crazy how those kind of just chance, uh, hopes and prayers sometimes work out. Comparing it to University of Tennessee and Belmont, is it as large as a D1 school? Or is it kind of a smaller kind of local style? Yeah, school? so uh, polar opposite from University of Tennessee. University of Tennessee is a huge state school, um, I don't know, probably 30, 40,000 students plus yeah huge school huge you know 100,000 uh seat football stadium mainland stadium and smu was um, about 60 you know about 6,000 undergrad about 5,000 grad school and uh small pri private university um right in you know the middle of of dallas so really really unique uh, belmont's even smaller belmont's an incredible program it's become a lot more popular with um, both medicine and uh, especially nursing and uh, and music as well, so yeah, really really different program. You know, SMU a little bit more of kind of a you know an old school kind of good old boys networking kind of school. Um, definitely a lot different, and 
yeah, at an, an interesting place, definitely. What was the best thing that you learned about yourself going to that kind of school, like a smaller you, school? Yeah. To a larger school. Yeah, it was uh, honestly just having to go out and fend for yourself. Um, it, it's just, it's a really, you know, it's something that, and my wife and I are on the same page and she did the same thing. You know, she left Tulsa to go to SMU. It's just something that's just always been super important to us is you have to leave to go to school because you have to experience, you know, because again, most of us in, you know, growing up, a lot of the, your friends that you wind up with or lifelong friends you met because you were sitting next to them in kindergarten or first grade, right? You don't actually have any reason to be friends with them or, or figure out how to make those relationships. So that, that was a huge thing, just being able to, you know, knowing that, okay, I can go into a situation and I can figure things out and, um, you know, having to work and, and, and juggle work and school and everything was, um, yeah, it was, it was an experience I hadn't had before because, you know, it wasn't like I ever had to move to go to a new school or anything like that. So, uh, really valuable experience, but those, you know, those two things are, were definitely the most valuable for me. It's very interesting from going from high school and from my experience, like you become friends with these people, but then it's like, right when you graduate, it's like the real test happens. Are they actually your friends? And I found out that they weren't really my friends because since high school, I haven't talked to anyone since there. Wow. And it's kind of like, what was I doing wrong? But like, I see photos of all of them all hanging out with stuff. But college is where you make the real friends, in my opinion. Like, those are the people because you're living with each other and you're with them 24-7. And I am totally fine with being friends with people in college. Sometimes I wish the friends I had in high school were still there, but... It's one of those things I didn't leave on bad terms with them. But like you said, you got to fend for yourself. Like a lot of people growing up, they had their parents um, handle their bills and pay for their right. car or get them up for school. When you're in college, you don't have that. It's like you're an individual and don't, I'm not going to call you. Well, <laughs> I have done that before on people's doors, but I don't, I don't regret like a lot of times in my friend group, I was like the dad of the group because I was yeah. Like, like I had that like oh I'm an adult already but to me I was fine with that like it didn't bother me at all yeah it's interesting um and that's how you know, I feel like that's how it is for most people that I know um I had kind of a different experience I had uh, I'm still really really close with you know almost all of my friends from high school I mean very few have, have fallen off and college I wound up with I had a really 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 tight-knit group of, um, you know, three or four guys that I still talk to every single day. We've got, you know, text thread and, but, it, you know, I didn't have, and I didn't do a fraternity and I didn't do some of those things that kind of, you know, build those larger groups in. But um, no, I had a, you know, I've, I've, I was fortunate that I had a really, really good, real good school with uh, really good friends that I've been able to keep in, you know, in touch with pretty much every day, uh, even now. So what were you pursuing? when you went to college, what was that degree? I was looking for, you know, the business kind of degree, uh, business finance. SMU's got a phenomenal business, uh, business school, Cox school of business. Um, that actually wound up not getting into. Um, and I'm not, uh, never, when it comes to college, I'm, I'm very honest and, and open about, uh, you know, how I did and my situation. I was not a good, uh, not a good college student. When it comes to, especially you know, early on with a lot of the you know the the mandatory courses that, that you had to take, um, 
I've got, you know, I, I unfortunately, I had a, a bit of an issue and it, you know, I still do of, you know, something that if I don't think this thing is necessarily relevant to me uh, or important, I have a real hard time putting forth the effort for it that I should. Um, and, you know, it's real tough with, yes, you know, SMU was, a, it was an expensive school and it was really hard for me to kind of grapple with, you know, I've got to, I'm forced to take this elective you know, arts class that I know is, is just a money maker for you guys. Yeah. And you're just hammering everybody here, forcing us to take these schools. But um, yeah, so I, I wound up majoring in economics, which, um, you know, was, was actually wound up it was something I was interested in. I think I was I, apparently the only high schooler that had a good economics professor and actually enjoyed economics. Um, yeah, I got very lucky there. Uh, nobody else uh, that I know uh, enjoyed it. So I got lucky there. So it was something that was, you know, was, um, you know economics there was in the you know, arts and sciences department, but we you know, wound up with a couple phenomenal professors there. Um, and by a couple, I mean, literally a, like two or three, uh, the rest of them were, were very average. Um, you could probably tell from me, I'm not a huge supporter of, uh, of the institution of higher learning for the most part. Um, but I had, you know, two or three really, really awesome ones that, that really drove that. Uh, and I was able to build and develop that economic skill set that, you know, I think is crucially important for everybody. I wish it was, you know, we had better teachers or, or better way of delivering that to students. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, honestly, I, I didn't learn a whole lot in college that I was able to apply to business as I'm sure most people are. I learned most of my, you know, most important skills through internships and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I wound up, luckily I wasn't one of those that was like, well, two years in, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm going to switch my major from business to, you know, creative writing or something like that. So uh, I knew what I wanted to do generally and was able to, uh, you know, to wind up seeing that all, all the way through. It's kind of the comparison between book smart and street smart in a way. A lot of times the schools want to teach you what's from the book, but when you get out into the real world, it has nothing to do with what's in the book. And like I was the same way with you. I wanted to get out there, learn from the actual industry and gain the knowledge, not sit in a classroom and read from a textbook all day. And half the stuff that I learned in my major, as a, I was a sports management major, I don't even use- So is my brother. <laughs> like, we don't, like accounting, I don't use. Uh, business law, I don't use. I probably need to know those things eventually, but that's what Google's for <laughs> nowadays. But I think- like science, I wasn't a big science guy. Um, my dad was, and my family was big in math. So math for me, like I will take those classes, but writing wasn't my thing. Like I didn't care about reading a book. I was like, give me a project to do. Give me like an event to plan. and I'll do that perfectly. So college for me was a hit or miss. I enjoyed it because I made a lot of friends and I got a lot of experience in networking, which I still do today. But too expensive. Yeah, it it was. And I always had that. Yeah, no, I, I, and virtually none, you know, no college is worth the money that it's being charged right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolute travesty and hopefully, you know, maybe coronavirus is, you know, this situation, one of the silver linings is it kind of course corrects uh, the amount of that college tuition is, but no, I mean, it it was really came down for me of, I'm tired of paying money to do work that I know is not going to be important to me down the road. And, you know, maybe I should have, you know, used a lot of those courses and things like that. I wish I could go back and take now or, or, you know, learn now because I'm just 
learning them on my own, right? I'm not paying thousands of dollars to, to be forced to do them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I a couple really, really, really great classes that I actually got a lot out of and still use to this day. But other than that, I'd much rather just do that kind of stuff on my own time. Yeah. So as you got closer to graduation, where, where was your mindset at? Like, were you getting nervous? Like, I don't know what's next for me, or did you already have a game plan ready to go after graduation? No, I had a game plan kind of ready to go. Uh, luckily I had, um, you know, I knew kind of what I wanted to do and kind of the, the industries that I wanted to do it in. Luckily I wasn't, you know, hoping and praying that I could, you know, come up with something that I, 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 thought I might like doing. Uh, I had a couple industries that were kind of already foundational that I knew I would go into one of those two, which kind of helped narrow my focus because looking back on it, you know, just if you don't know any, you know, any kind of industry you want to go in or, or anybody at any companies, that's just, I mean, it's a, a nightmare of a situation that you just, you know, up on LinkedIn, just searching and trying to apply for everything. Cause inevitably you get the like, well, why did you want to apply to this company? And it's really hard to just say, I don't know, you showed up on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, so I knew I wanted to go into something in either, you know, payroll services, which was the industry that my dad was in. So I just, I had firsthand knowledge of, of that industry and was something I liked. And, and also the food industry, uh, my brother at the time was working in that business and was working with the company that I eventually started working with um, that worked out really well. But yeah, it was a, at least because I was looking at it as I, I need to be in an industry that, you know, does a couple things. One, uh, you know, I know it's going to be around, you know, in 10 years and two, that it's something that I actually, you know, that I can stand by, mm -hmm. right. That it's something I know that, uh, you know, it's customers actually can use. So no, I mean, fortunately I, I was fairly certain what I wanted to do was just figuring out how to get there. So talk about that first company that you worked for. What was like the goal of that company and what were you doing during that time? Yeah, so it was, uh, and actually, you know, with, with how my situation turned out that I'm sure we'll get to, uh, it was actually the only company that I worked for. Um, it was, uh, you know, out of school, it was a, a, a food distribution company. So it was owned by a, a large Fortune 100 uh, food distributor, and it was uh, kind of had a more smaller family run feel. And it was a really, really great company to, to start out with. You know, it, it checked the box of, you know, it's, it's something that's going to be around. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, food's not going anywhere. And it was, it was an opportunity to come in with the, in a, a good time for this company that was, um, you know, a, a coming in with a new direction and it needed, you know, some younger people coming in that really wanted to go out and attack and, and, and improve some of the systems that they had in place. So it was, uh, you know, they just got a new, uh, new leadership team in place. And it was, it was a really good place, a really good place to learn. Yeah, it was something that, I really didn't know anything about, um, you know, company largely specialized in fresh produce. So it's not something that growing up, like I, I, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm and didn't grow up with, you know, family that were super into to anything like that. So it was a really good learning experience. And it's also, you know, it was a good opportunity for me. And it's not that I really had this issue, but it's just something I, I you know, looking back on it could happen to, you know, a young kid coming out of college. It's kind of humbling to go into something that you know you don't know, uh, you know, a fraction of the amount of that everybody else is uh, that's there. So uh, it was a good opportunity to come in and say, you know, my mindset and, you know, to be able to tell people like, hey, look, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to come in, I'm going to learn and, you know, I'm going to figure out if there's, you know, coming with fresh eyes and say, okay, is there a better way to do this? 
So, you know, I came in, just got an entry-level role of, of, you know, the uh, pricing and revenue management. And boss just pretty much said, you know, he gave me way too much responsibility for someone's just starting out in, uh, in the business, but it wound up being really, really uh, productive for me. So I was able to do a lot of things and kind of mold and, and shape the position into something that was different than what I was originally hired to do. So wound up holding a bunch of different jobs in, uh, within that company in you know, several different departments that looking back on it was awesome. They, again, to just be able to learn you know, all facets of a business. Like you talked about uh, at the beginning that you're forced to learn different parts of the business because you can't really be a successful entrepreneur and can't be a successful business owner unless you do that, right? And, and understanding how one side impacts the other. So that was really, really impactful for me. And uh, yeah, so I think I wound up in seven years, I think I had wound up having seven different positions uh, you know, in various departments in the last few years, worked my way up into, uh, into the sales leadership role um, before eventually, uh, you know, just decided, hey, it's, it was a good run. You know, seven years nowadays is, you know, especially for, for someone my age is, is an eternity with one company and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it was a lot. And, uh, but it was, you know, just, you know, I just started looking at, Hey, you know, I, I need to start looking for the next thing. Um, you know, it was, I, I not pigeonholed myself, but I, I was kind of restricted myself on, you know, my wife and I wanted to stay in Dallas. So um, we had a really, really strong president in place. And so I knew that wasn't something that was going to happen for me. If I wanted to move up, I had to move out and just wasn't, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to do. And uh, so that's when I, you know, towards the end, I just started looking, you know, wanted to, you know, to try and find, you know, a private company, obviously with a public company, there was, you know, significant restrictions in place, especially financially. So I wanted to go to something that I thought it had more, you know, financial upside and flexibility and, and find something that I could really sink my teeth into. But yeah, that first company was, it was phenomenal. I'm really fortunate to be able to work there. So something we talk about on the podcast is, finding a leader or being a leader. Did you find someone at that company that you were able to kind of learn from that maybe wasn't like a boss or was it your boss that was teaching you the skills and the ropes on how to keep moving up within the company? Yeah, you know, it, it was a really interesting company with a really interesting makeup of, you know, just gotten a new leadership team in place. And it was a, that was going to take the company in a complete polar opposite direction, uh, which is, it was a really unique time to start at a company uh, that's going through such a drastic transformation. Um, yeah, there wasn't, I had a, um, one of our regional, uh, a regional vice president that oversaw our, our operating company was just one of those guys that was, that just cared, that, that cared a lot. And that, you know, not only did he just, it was one of those that the first time I met him, he said, you know, Hey, stay in touch. And, yeah, I remember the next time I saw him, him saying, you know, I haven't heard from you. You know, of course, I'm here thinking I, I just started, you know, relatively new with the company thinking, eh, I'm sure he says that to everybody and I'm not going to bother him with, you know, with any of my, uh, you know, checking in or taking up his time. He's busy. But it was when, you know, that second time when he said, you didn't reach out to me and why not? <laughs> that I realized, okay, wow, this guy really does care. And, you know, from that point on, he was somebody that, you know, I always kept in touch with, checked in, but it was just, you know, he was in charge of the leadership development programs and things like that. And just seeing somebody that cares that much about the people that are there and investing, you know, wants to invest their time in people, it was something that it's honestly, it's been a weakness of mine is 
networking. You, know, you mentioned that, that college was great for you and networking. Honestly, I was very bad at it because I just naturally kind of got this, um, you know, this feeling of like, I'm not going to bother them with that. Like that, I'm not going to assume that they want to hear from me or, or check in with me. So that was, uh, it was something that I kind of saw and was able to recognize my own weakness there. And he was able to really, you know, just be an incredible leader. And, and, and he was one of those that um, he didn't seek the spotlight. He had no interest in, in, in being in the spotlight or, uh, you know, everyone knowing that, you know, he was in the position that he was. Uh, he just he was a, a quiet leader that would listen to you and really cared. And so he was definitely one. And in the last three or four years at the company, uh, we got a new president in place that was, again, the same kind of thing. Like, he wasn't the rah-rah, you know, look at me, flashy uh, kind of guy. He was first one in, last one to leave. And I'm not, I'm not that kind of person by nature. Like, I don't believe that, you know, hours for the sake of hours matters. But he was the kind of guy that you saw, like, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that he just wanted people there. It was he wanted – it was important to him, him that everybody saw that he's not asking them to do anything that he's not willing to do, right, and, which is it's just such an incredibly powerful thing because – and especially with the workforce of today, like people are not – people don't want to work long hours, right? They don't want to work, you know, on weekends or something. But uh, seeing him in that, you know, in that position, uh, you know, go – going out and, and loading a truck and, and, you know, going out on calls and doing all those things was, uh, was something really valuable. So, yeah, so I had, I had two really, really uh, strong examples that I was fortunate to have. I think you hit it perfectly with the leader is not going to get into the spotlight. They kind of want to be in the background kind of hidden, but, and then they don't realize that they're doing what they thinking they're doing. And I've had those leaders where they don't have the title at all, but they kind of know that they're kind of being that influence. And with my company that I'm in, it's kind of like they have to pave the way for the new future. Everyone's been doing it the same way. So when someone younger comes in and I'm one of the youngest, it's kind of like we're the new generation. We're going to be bringing in new techniques that maybe weren't happening in 1980 or 1990 because things are changing in every single day. And one of the things with networking is I think a lot of people are afraid to do it because like you said, they don't want to bother someone, but it's kind of getting out of your comfort zone in a way. When I send a LinkedIn connection, I want to just build something possibly. If it maybe doesn't go there, it's a way that I can see what that person's doing. Maybe if we don't communicate, but they can see what I'm doing. So it's kind of like maybe there's something that can spark interest in a way. And I kind of use it as I'm not a salesperson. Like I hate, I hate when people just come to my door and knock and then they're like, Hey, do you want to buy this? It's like, Nope, I'm going to slam the door right on you because it's like yeah. build that connection. And that's what LinkedIn has taught me is you're just building relationships any way possible with people all over the country. And it's a great way. And doing these kind of interviews, it's like, you get to learn from people. That's what I love doing is learning, learning from their story stories and each interview I gained something new about me that I didn't know. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something that I think is, is really important. You know, again, I was in a company that was largely much older, right? It wasn't, a, you know, a cycle of, you know, new people coming in out of college every, you know, every year. And, you know, what you said, I thought is something that it's so important and that what I want, you know, what I want, you know, kids graduating college and, and younger people, uh, 
and really everybody, but especially younger people is to know that, you know, you can be a leader in your company, you know, from the beginning, but know what your company needs and don't, don't know. Leadership isn't always just being the rah-rah guy, right. Or, or, or being the loudest or anything like that. It's like, just show up, do your work and be somebody that people can count on because that's a tremendous method of leadership. And it's, you know, something that's always been important to me is being able to look and see okay, where are we lacking, right? Is this, a, is this a situation where, you know, hey, we just need somebody to just, like it was something I, I, that I started out doing was, again, like I said, I'm not a believer really in hours for the sake of hours, but I looked at the company, I looked at the kind of people that were there and I said, okay, for me to be as effective as possible as a, you know, 22 year old, 23 year old starting in this business that everybody knows, you know, they'll forget more than I know about the business. It was important for me to get there early and to show everybody that, okay, hey, he's not just some, you know, typical millennial that wants to show up at nine and leave at three. Uh, you know, so I was in there at, at, at 5.30, 6 in the morning. I didn't have to be, but it was just important for me to do. And uh, it, you've, you've got to be able to, have, and it kind of just helped me build up kind of that equity with people that, you know, I wasn't just coming in and, and being lazy and just thinking I knew everything. It was, you know, so I just, I, I want people to understand, you know, all the different ways that you can be a leader and be an asset to the company because being an asset to the company is leadership uh, <laughs> in its simplest form. People will notice things even if you don't even realize it. And that's exactly like people appreciate your work when you're like, oh, I'm just doing my job but it's kind of that sense of accomplishment in a way that kind of can boost your morale and get you going and want you to see what else can you do? Can you push yourself in a way? Absolutely. You got to the end of your time at the, the position that you or the company you were at. What were you trying to do next? So what was that next transition for you? Yeah, so I, I, I knew that whatever I was gonna do next you know, it needed to, to check the boxes of, of what I really wanted to do because yeah, I was happy where I was. I had a great boss, great relationship. Uh, so it was good. And uh, you only want to leave good for, for great or excellent. And so I said, okay, I want, you know, I want it to be a you know, private company, uh, preferably, you know, a growing co company that was, you know, dynamic and, and able to, you know, to change on a dime and be something that I could grow and help, you know, be a part of for a long period of time. And, uh, obviously I wanted, it was looking for that financial uh, upside. And so it was, if it's opportunity where I can get an equity piece or something like that. So those were the things that I was looking for. Yeah. Preferably in a, you know, somewhat tangentially in, involved in, in the business that I was already in. So it wasn't a complete start over, but uh, I, you know, I was able, well, luckily able to find that. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and into the story of, of how that kind of turned out. And part of the reason that uh, I think I'm on here is it's probably not a unique story in this age, but uh, still one that you know, I think is, is important for people to hear. So wound up finding that, that exact company that checked all those boxes. It was a, a new, you know, relative startup company. It was a dynamic company with a great product, a great team in place that, you know, was going through their series a fundraising round was ready to just really you know, throw the gasoline on the fire and explode and compensation was good. It was what I wanted. Everything was there. And I was so excited. So I, you know, I put my notice in, which is always tough with, uh, with somebody, especially a boss that you respect and, and have a great relationship with, but 
you know, he was great about it. Said, you know, look, I totally understand. It's, you know, it was, it was an opportunity that was absolutely perfect. So uh, I you know, put my two weeks notice in and then, you know, that last day you know, did my rounds, said my goodbyes, came home and, you know, I got a real nice bottle of champagne to, to celebrate with my wife closing that chapter. And, uh, and, and as we were, you know, we just put our daughter down and on the way down, I checked my phone and had a missed call uh, from a number that I didn't have saved in my phone. And so I called the number back and it wound up being the CEO of the company that I was getting ready to, to join. And I think it was on a, a Wednesday and I was supposed to start on Monday. And so I get the call and he just says, Hey, I, I don't really know how to tell you this. And I can't believe that I have to do this, but we had several investors drop out and we don't, uh, we're going to have to rescind the offer. And it, it was, you know, these are, are good guys. Part of the reason that I wanted to, to join this company was everybody that I met at that company was phenomenal. Um, you know, high character, everything that they believed in was what I believed in. And, you know, here, and it was, it was a really, man, it was, it, it was gut wrenching because I had just put down, I think at the time uh, my baby was a little over three months old, maybe four months old. And I just walked away from a great job with a great salary that was, you know, we just moved into a new house a couple of months prior to that. And going from that to, you know, that period and just pure elation of like, I'm done. You know, I get a few days to enjoy myself before I get to start, you know, attacking this, this new position with this new company. And remember too, I mean, seven years I had been with one company. And so I wasn't used to this, right? Uh, I wasn't used to, you know, starting a new company or, or leaving a company or anything like that. So it was something that's totally new to me. And so, you know, just the total just roller coaster of emotions that happened because that day uh, the company that I left announced a, a full, complete hiring freeze. Um, and they weren't going to be, as soon as you know, that happened, and as soon as I got off the phone, I realized like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go back. And, uh, and it's funny because my boss even, and this was probably March, I think it was like mid March. So it was right as like, I want to say maybe that night or something or a couple days before was that Rudy Gobert uh, issue in the NBA shut down, which is kind of like the, you know, the, the time where everybody said like, all right, this is, this is something. So my boss had even, uh, my old boss had even said like, Hey, you know, just so you know, like, if, are you, like, are you going to be okay? Like you can stay here. Right. I mean, we can, we can figure it out. I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I, I appreciate it. But you know, they said that we're fine. So I want to, you know, I'm going to move forward. And uh, yeah, so it's, it went from in, in about five minutes to, you know, elation and, and excitement to, you know, just a, a punch in the gut to kind of, you know, panic mode of like, all right, three month old, you know, my wife has her own business. How are we going to make this work? What are we going to do? And uh, yeah, so that was, that was how I you know, found the company. That was how I, I left and, and was supposed to start and then uh, led me to not starting. It's one of the things like that with this show, everyone has a story and even if it's not written out, but you get to kind of learn from the person just by talking to them. And with your story with how you hit that fall, 
we kind of talked earlier that we all had to go through that downward spiral in a way yeah. because nothing's perfect and we all have to learn. And about what you're going to probably talk about, it kind of put the, I was going to go for a car reference, but it was probably the, that idea. It kind of put the motor to pedal to the, I don't even know what the metal, pedal to the pedal or yeah. something like that. And it kind of made you start thinking like, I have to start figuring out something because the biggest thing in your life right now is your family. And family is important. You want to make sure that you have a financial safety um, at that time. So during that mindset or during that time that you were in between the jobs because the following one didn't work out, what was going to your mind? Were you starting to come up with new ideas like what direction do I want to go in or I kind of just need to take, maybe take the time off and then figure it out one time. Yeah. So the, the first thing that I did really, and it, you know, it was almost bad for that. Yeah. There's no way to avoid having that gut wrenching feeling, but right after that, um, I was fortunate to take, uh, uh, go through a course with a couple of mentors of mine, um, that it's called the relentless solution focus. And it's, it's something that always, uh, they're, they kind of designed it for sales training, but it's something that's just, it's, it's so applicable to life in general. But the, basically the framework of it is when a problem happens or a situation happens, that's not good. What is one thing that you can do to improve the situation? It doesn't have to be a home run. It, you know, it doesn't have to be the answer, but what's one thing that we can do right now to improve the situation and go from bad to a little bit better. So, you know, pretty quickly after I got off that call, it was, I didn't have a pity party. Obviously, you know, it sucked. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. But at the end of the day, I chose to make the decision to take the risk and leave and, and, and start a new job with a new company. And that's something that to me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm such a strong believer that we all have agency. And I think it's very dangerous when we kind of lose that, that agency and, you know, feel like we don't have control over, over what happens. Even something like this, obviously, Hey, this was something that nobody saw coming, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I chose to leave and I'm the one that set the wheels in motion to wind up unemployed. Uh, it, obviously, this was something that, you know, it, there was nothing else that I could do, but I still chose to make the decision. And being able to attack things with that mindset allows you to take that next step towards improving the situation because you're not just in that like, well, now I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. You know, I had this happen to me and, you know, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Uh, I just think that's so dangerous and it's something I just I tell myself every day. Like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to let myself get in that head space. So immediately I just started thinking, all right, Hey, I did this to myself. I'm going to get myself back up. Cause I looked at it and it's like, all right, if this happened, there's not going to be any good jobs come up for at that time. I was a little naive. I thought like three months. <laughs> I mean, I thought we'd be out the wood, out of the woods by then. Uh, so I was like, all right, well, three months, I'm not going to be able to get anything. So I might as well, you know, come up with, with plan B and plan C. So, you know, the, and that's what led me to, to starting the travel agency. And a lot of people probably listen to this and, and say, you know, in this environment, you thought the right idea was starting a travel agency. And again, you know, that's, Hey, that's not the home run, but Hey, it's one thing that I can do right now. I've got time on my hands. There's relatively low cost of entry to start that. And it's something that I had wanted to do and should have done, you know, years ago. Uh, I always help people plan trips. My, uh, my mom was actually a travel agent, so I kind of had that in my blood, but I was always, it was, it was always something I loved doing. 
Um, and I left, <laughs> I lost out on a lot of money because I would just help people because it was just a hobby of mine. Um, so it was, I was like, all right, well, I have no, no more excuses left. Cause I was always busy, which I wasn't too busy to do that. It was just, it was laziness. And uh, so you know, I'm kind of speaking to, to hopefully the people listening to this too is like, first of all, Hey, don't put that off. You know, whatever that project is that you, that you think you should start um, because you never know when another pandemic is going to hit and you're going to wind up uh, needing to, to go after that. And it would have been a lot better if I had, you know, started this four years ago and been able to have, you know, a bigger clientele to go after, but you know, it's okay. Here's something I can do. Uh, I can do it relatively quickly and it's something I love doing. And then, you know, I also kind of thought like, man, this sure sounds like what that story, you know, that I would tell 10 years from now to, you know, a group of, of students or, or a group of people or on a podcast and say like, man, you know, I wound up lost, lost my job. I felt like emotionally rock bottom and three month old and, and how I'm going to figure this out. And it just kind of sounded like that story. So I was like, Hey, you know what? Screw it. I, I, there's no better time than now. Um, and so that's when I decided yeah, I might as well do this. And obviously during this situation, it's not an explosive time for travel, but I've been able to carve out a, a really good niche. And most importantly, I just, I've got, I got started. So <laughs> it, if, even it's a, it's a little bit now, um, but it's the start that I needed to be able to get to where I wanted to go. Comparing to how you kind of quit or you left your job and then you went through that situation, it kind of goes with, I'm not saying I went through something similar, but during this pandemic, I was actually on furlough. When I got the news, it kind of hit me hard because I'm a young person and I'm like, okay, I had the safety job, not safety job, but yeah. like, financially safety and now it's like cut off and I kind of for that first night I was like I have no idea what I'm gonna do but then the next morning I just started brainstorming ideas like what's gonna keep me busy for the next few months or how long because I did not know how like we all thought maybe this wasn't wasn't gonna last long but it's still going on now but I knew I needed to do something to keep me focused keep me going be passionate about something and I had this podcast or even just doing a podcast many years ago, like I wanted to do it, but I was like, the timing wasn't right. Well, perfect timing now because I have nothing to do every day. I get up, I was just standing on the couch watching TV, but then it's like finding that meaning to it. Like you said, travel agency and doing, being a travel agent, you kind of help people before. So you had that passion in you, but now you're able to bring it to the forefront and be able to do it. And I think, from your passion, seeing what you do. And for me, we kind of are similar in a way. We're passionate about what we're doing. We enjoy what we're doing. And Absolutely. Like, people, I mean, we see on the news all the time, people are traveling somehow. Like, oh yeah. People are flying to places. I'm like, okay, do I need to get a booking somewhere? Cause I got some vacation I can kill. Yeah. I don't trust people. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, you know, the timing has been weird. You know, I, I, People say, I feel, you know, a lot of people will say, man, you know, picked a, uh, it's got to be a tough time to, to start that. And it's, it actually was a, a good time, not a good time, but, a, you know, not a, not a bad time. Um, if it was something that, you know, because I look at it, you know, maybe if I had started a few years ago, maybe it's something I would have been doing full time. And then, 
when it went to zero, you know, a lot of people were really, really bad shape. Uh, um, so I kind of missed that, that whole window. Right. But by the time I was you know, ready to go and, and had learned what I needed to learn and got the business off the ground, by that time, people were kind of ready and, and that kind of pent up demand was there. So I was able to miss out on a lot of that bad time. And it's been, you know, it, it, I mean, obviously it had been gangbusters. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like checking your, you know, every two weeks, checking your bank account and seeing the paycheck hit. But uh, it's, it's been, it's been great. It's been very rewarding um, for me you know, laying the groundwork for the financial upside, but I got to be home every single day with my baby as she grew from three months to uh, she's now a little over eight months. And that's something that you can always make the money up or or at least get close to it. I never would have been able to get that back. Um, You know, just seeing her uh, yesterday start, you know, today actually sit up and on her own kind of push herself up. Like I would never have seen that. And, you know, get to wake her up every single morning. Uh, it, it's, it's just, again, it, it's, like I said earlier, it's just all about perspective <laughs> and how you're, you're choosing to look at things because we all have the choice uh, of, of how we're going to view things. We have a choice in, in how we're going to react and, and what we're going to pull uh, from every experience. So it was, it was a very bad situation that, just making the best out of and, and, and choosing the, to pull the positives out from. Would you say during this time, you're able to kind of like you said, laid the groundwork for the company. Are you able to try different strategies, come up with like what you'll eventually do marketing wise when everything is getting kind of back to normal? Yeah. It, it, it's been a really great time because it hasn't been, you know, I've had a lot of people say like, Hey, you know, want to definitely want to, you know, when things are over, or when, you know, when we get back to normal, I, I definitely want to, to uh, book something. And so it was good that it wasn't immediately that I had all of these people looking for something, right? It, it, it's, that's, that's always kind of a, a really tough position to be in. It's a great position to be in if you've got a lot of interest, but it's a tough position to be in when you're not totally positive, you can execute on all of that. And so the, the you know, kind of the, the avenues that I want to go after and, and, and the, the kind of trips that, I want to be putting together for people are not ones that are just kind of haphazard. Like, you know, people just, a couple things got messed up. I want everything to be perfect. So it was better for me to be able to kind of learn and grow a little bit with, you know, a few trips here and there so that I had time to properly explore everything the way that I needed to and be able to learn what works and what doesn't work. And it was also, it's been really interesting because I've been able to see, where is this business potentially vulnerable down the road? Um, now, obviously, another pandemic where nobody's allowed to travel, sure. Um, but there's there's little things within that that instead of just looking at like, well, you know, because I, I also easily could have just said like, you know, yeah, I love travel. I wish I could, you know, own my own travel agency. But hey, another pandemic could hit again and, you know, it could just go to zero. But instead I looked at it as like, all right, so if I do this, I'm going to do this where are some vulnerabilities that I can learn from this and take away and try and prevent that from impacting my business um, and, and prevent it from going to zero down the road. So it's, I've been able to look at things like cruises and, and a lot of agencies that were very heavily dependent on that and say, okay, now I know my business can't get skewed too heavily towards this one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to kind of be well-rounded and, and figuring out, okay, I need to know, you, know, you obviously want to focus and, and have your specialty, but 
it, it's my uh, my father-in-law who, who passed away in November was he was just an incredibly uh, brilliant man and, and just had all of these sayings that just stay with us every single day and and uh, he told my wife when she started her business uh, in co- just out of college, said, have a, a narrow product with a wide audience. And so that's something that I really want to, to, you know, to focus in on. If, you know, hey, it's, yeah, it's luxury travel, but how is it luxury tra- travel that appeals to everybody? And, uh, and figuring out how to kind of avoid those weaknesses. So it, it's been an interesting time. It's been a really good time to, to learn and develop. And like I said, it's been uh, busier actually than I expected it to be. So, um, you know, if you were to ask me to, to, you know, now versus when I started, are you happy with where you've been? Are you happy with how far you've come? Um, I definitely think it's, it's exceeded my expectations. What are some challenges you found about yourself being a CEO and what has been the best thing that you've learned about yourself as being a CEO of a company? Yeah, minutes. I'll tell you, it's it's totally different going from office environment to working from home. It's it's something that it you know you you always when you're it's a grass is always greener kind of thing because yeah you know, when I'm sitting there in the office I'm just thinking like man this is so like we don't need and I was I had more flexibility than than most in an office environment has but man you really are uh, the buck really does stop with you <laughs> it's it's just such a different. Uh, you know, a different position to be in where you could say, you know, when you work for a company with, you know, especially the company that was like mine, if I had a bad day or, or maybe I just, I didn't have it that day, it didn't really impact things too much uh, versus now, you know, as I go, so goes the company. <laughs> and, uh, and so I can't wait any day that I waste is money directly out of my pocket that I'm not able to earn. Um, and I'm not able to go and, 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 and make those experiences and make those connections and do all of those things that I have to do as the owner of the company. Um, it's been, it's been a huge adjustment there. And it's been, you know, it, like I said, I'm so fortunate. I get to, you know, be with my daughter every single day, be with my wife every single day, but man, it's tough being able to say, Hey, you know, I need to, I need an hour. I need two hours. You know, I just, I really got to, I got to put the headphones in. I got to grind it out. And um, so it's, it's tough juggling all of these things that, you know, not only building a new company, but in a completely different environment than I've ever been in before. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's, it's something that, you know, it's something I believe is, I'm a big supporter of of change things up all the time. Just change just for, for a new experience. And you may create a new synapse in your brain, something just change. So it's been very challenging, but it's been very rewarding as well. Are you the only person in your company or do you have like team members also? Yeah. So I've got, uh, I'm the only full-time technical uh, employee for my company, but we've got sub agents, we've got uh, partners as well that we use and uh, to help create experiences and things like that. So um, that's also a a tough kind of thing, having to build a business that, still relies on other people to execute. Um, it's not like I, you know, I'm not, uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, you know, planning events and things like that. Um, it's, it's, I rely very heavily on, on people that I don't know, don't see, and don't have anything really, you know, any way to, to, to check them. So I send, you know, I put a trip together for somebody and I do the best that I possibly can, but man, there, something could happen on the flight or at the hotel or something like that. So it's, it's a very unique situation that, you know, we've got to, it's something I've been able to, 
to learn and, and really work on is, okay, how do I, how do I minimize any of those friction points? How do I limit? Now you, you get better every single time you do it. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's tough being, you know, having to rely on people that, again, you don't really have much contact with at all. Um, but being able to develop those relationships and partnerships. And then again, the future plan, obviously, as we continue to grow, is bringing on uh, more agents under our umbrella in you know, different areas that have different specialties and uh, yeah, just continuing to grow however we can. So how do you, we talked about being a leader in a way. So how are you able to be a leader for those people that you don't have contact with all the time or if they're not completely full-time under the umbrella? Yeah, yeah, it's, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, it's, it's making sure that you, you have thorough knowledge of, of what you're talking about. Because um, I can say that I'm representing somebody all day long, you know, whether it be, be you know, a, a high net worth individual or, hey, I've got these clients that are, you know, extremely picky uh, or something like that. But if you're not able to, there's a certain level of detail that you have to be able to speak to for them to take you seriously to be able to, because if you do have clients like that, right, or, or and it's really, it's no different in this business versus your business or anybody else's. If you can't articulate what it is uh, that you're trying to get across about that client, then they're not going to take you seriously. And as soon as they don't take you seriously, they're either not going to come to you wanting to get more of your business. They're not going to treat your clients the way that you want them treated. And again, it, it goes back to you know respect, knowledge, and being willing to do the homework that you have to do to be able to get, you know, at and above the level that, you know, some of these companies expect you to be at. Are you always learning more and more about the industry so you can become better? So maybe if you get a client that wants a certain thing that you maybe not have expert at that you're able to accommodate for them. Yeah. So something that's always stuck with me is one of the most valuable things, things that you can do is say, I don't know, but let me check instead of just answering something because you feel like, cause there's a lot of pressure to, you know, with whoever you're talking to, to feel like you've got to have the answer at, you know, just the drop of the hat when they ask you. Now, some people, some people probably do, uh, but there's only so much that one person conceivably can do. So I, I really tried to focus on being, you know, feeling comfortable saying, I'm not positive. Let me check that. I'll get right back to you. And, you know, something that has, I've always tried to do is if I don't know the answer, I dang well better make sure that I know who does and being able to get that information quickly. Cause ultimately, you know, if somebody asks you a question, generally they don't need the answer now, but not 10 minutes from now or 20 minutes from now. Usually there's not that level of urgency for it. So making sure that I continue to grow my network. And, and, you know, like we talked about earlier with networking is it's crucially important in this industry to be able to know that, Hey, I've got, you know, for, you know, Bora Bora, I've got this person I know I can go to if I'm not an expert in it or, you know, uh, uh, you know Tokyo or wherever it is. So it's been really important. And it's something I've really tried to focus on is making sure that I'm, I'm developing my network in a way to where I may not have the answer immediately, but I'm able to get the answer within, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes uh, to help somebody out. 
Are you saying you're an expert at Bora Bora now? Because I, I need to go there right now. So. Man, uh, man, that's that's where it's where I went on my honeymoon. And uh, so I do consider myself somewhat of an expert on there. Although it's kind of easy with Bora Bora because when you get to your resort, you pretty much just stay there. So really, there's not a whole lot of, of things to really worry about. But yes, absolutely. Bora Bora, I can, uh, I can give you all the hands and outs. I have to picture myself being in one of those rooms over the water where you can just jump off yeah i'm like that's gonna be my future i'm hopefully in a year or two when we can all travel normally i'm gonna be there quickly so, so you know it, it's it's interesting because i get that a lot of times from people and it's something that um again having this time has been able to kind of figure out how i can grow and differentiate myself versus other agencies and so one thing that i've really focused on that i've, I've been able to bring a lot of, of, of help to people and value to people is uh, focusing on points and miles. So most travel agencies, they only want to help you if you're paying with cash because we travel agents, we get commission from suppliers, um, which is a great setup. It doesn't cost customers, you know, our clients, anything. Uh, it's awesome. But there is a huge amount of people. And this was really what my first passion was a huge amount of people that, you know, they swipe their credit card every day. All their bills are on their credit card they earn all these points or they earn all these hotel points, credit card points, frequent flyer miles, but they really don't know how to use them. Or if they use them, they use them how the credit card companies want you to use them, which is to redeem them for the lowest value. So uh, another service that I offer that is a fee-based service, depending on the itinerary, is helping people leverage their points, leverage their miles to be able to get the best possible return on them. So how do we get you, you know, for you, if you said, hey, I've got all these points of miles, I want to go to Bora Bora, how the heck do I do that? Uh, I, you know, figure out a way to help you get you there. And, you know, it winds up saving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, for people. And it's, it's how I personally have been able to go on incredible trips because I didn't have the budget that <laughs> millionaires and billionaires have, but I sure as heck want to go the same way that they do. So, yeah, I was able to figure out, um, you know, going to the Middle East, uh, to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Tokyo in first class for basically zero dollars um, using these. So it's another service that uh, I feel like I'm, I'm able to offer to, that can really, really help people. So any of your listeners, if you've got a bunch of points or you're just not sure if, if you have enough, maybe you do, maybe you don't, um, you know, they could just reach out to me. AJ at peakluxurytravel.com uh, or go through the website and we'll be able to help you, you know, free consultation to figure out if we can help you. I think you definitely did a great job with kind of differentiating yourself from other travel agencies and seeing what, what have they not been doing. And I haven't really been hearing many places that have been doing that because like I have miles, but I know I would have to spend it on the airlines, but it's already, okay, you're just going to take all my points now. So after one trip, it's like, how far can I get with that amount? So you can get further than you think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to start planning my next trip. Yeah, absolutely. So what does the future look like for you professionally and personally? What are some things you want to accomplish? Yeah, professionally. I mean, I think anybody that, that starts a business in the near future, you want to get to a point where you're making a comfortable living. Uh, that's kind of the, the first goal. I feel, you know, it's, it's my first goal is, okay, how can I get close enough to, you know, what's the point where I am I'm comfortable replacing the income that I lost? Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately in, in my 
Is it something that's, you know, obviously nobody knows when you start a business, if it's going to work or not. You know, the best idea in the world. You know, I had the company I was supposed to go work for. It was one of the best ideas I've heard. It was phenomenal, but it may not make it through, right? You just, you don't know. But, you know, am I, am I getting, am I growing the business in a way that's going to get me where I need to go by the time I want to get there? So uh, that's something that, you know, my first goal is, hey, let's make this successful. Let's make this something that can provide and, and be a comfortable living. Um, and, and not just something that's kind of opened the floodgates for is not just stopping with this. It's, okay, what else can I do, right? You know, what else? So looking at different businesses, you know, we've got um, going to be, you know, starting up a, a you know, real estate investment career as well. And my wife and I are, are going to be starting a podcast as well. So it's just, it's all those little things that I, I was trapped in this box of, you know, nope, I have my job. This is what I do. And I don't have time for anything else. Again, to all your listeners, that's BS. You do have time, make time. And so uh, getting all these projects off the ground that I've been wanting to do for such a long time is definitely a goal. And then and, uh, personally, you know, I've, I'm so blessed and fortunate to have a great wife. We've been married for a little over three years now. We've got a beautiful baby. Um, you know, just want to continue to to celebrate every day and continue to to get better every day, professionally, personally, you know, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend, all these kinds of things. And, uh, and to just keep stretching myself and, and keep testing myself to see what, uh, you know, not only what I can achieve, but what we can achieve as a family and all these kinds of things. So it's, um, that sounds corny, but just want to get better every day. <laughs> that's, that's the goal. I always live by the quote, become the greatest version of myself. And each day yeah, love it. I want to learn something new and, as a fellow podcaster, that's something I am, I am so for someone getting on the journey like I did because it's been the best experience ever. Each interview I do, I enjoy it. Some people may think, well, you're going to burn out. And I go, no. When I'm able to talk to someone that I've never met across the country, across the world, it's the best hour, two hours of my time because you learn so much and about the different journeys and I love sharing I don't know if you're able to reveal it, but what is the theme of your podcast that you and your wife are starting? Yeah, so I I, I didn't want to throw it out and an unwelcome to plug, um, <laughs> but it's gonna be the, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's gonna be called the Peak Perfect Podcast. Uh, it's blending uh, uh, my company Peak Luxury Travel and and her business Perfect Eight Counts, which is an online cheer dance choreography business that's um, both virtual and in person and and workshops as well. So we, you know, again, just kind of in the same spirit of what we've talked about, we wound up here. All right. We're together every day. We've got time. We've got, we just thought like, what can we do together? Like what, what, what is not out there that we think we can bring to people? And we've got this incredible network of, of people, of, of friends and, and family members and, and people we've done business with that have an incredible story to tell similar to, to, you know, what drove you to, to start rising the challenge, but it's, it's, we're really going to focus on having the real honest conversations, right? We're, we're not going to have the Instagram, you know, the Instagram version of this conversation. You know, we, we were very inspired by our, you know, our own, the first couple months with, with our baby was really tough. And we kept saying to ourselves, it would have been really nice if, if somebody said, Hey, the first three months are going to suck. <laughs> you just deal with it. It's going to get better and, and you'll figure it out. But so we've got, 
you know, we wanted to draw on these experiences that, that these people that are close to us have had of, you know, getting married during, uh, during a pandemic, having to postpone your wedding during a pandemic, uh, you know, building a business and all of these things that, um, you know, we're, we're in, in a, a setting much like you and I are doing now, just, you know, Hey, how would you talk at you? Just, if you just had your friends over uh, and had a glass of wine or just, you know, shooting the, the, you know, shooting the breeze. And so that's kind of the theme of the podcast. And we're really going to focus it around, you know, family and, and, and entrepreneurship and, and the same kind of things of, of how of people that have had to juggle multiple things and talking through the, the real story of, of how those experiences are for, you know, for people like you and me that aren't, you know, we're not Elon Musk, right? We're not, you know, uh, some just incredibly you know, gifted person that was going to be able to do it no matter what, um, or people that had, you know, all the money in the world to be able to handle all these things. So uh, it's going to be centered around conversations like that. And, uh, you know, we're just gonna have some fun with it, like, you know, much like you've said, and, and you know, we'll, we'll definitely want to ha- have you on to tell your story as well. But, you know, just, just figure out how to pull a little bit here and there from, from people that we talk to and, and help those people share their stories. So I appreciate you letting me get that plug in. Oh, no problem. I mean, it's part of your future and something, and that's what a lot of people, I, I, I'm, I'm a person, I, you can plug. I mean, because this is <laughs> your story and what your future is. I mean, if I had something going on, I would be plugging it too. Um, but I don't have anything yet going <laughs> on, so. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how it goes for you because definitely the things that you talk about, the theme and the message is it hits a lot of people. A lot of people are going through similar situations when they have a three-month-year-old or going through those three months, people can relate. And that's the key with podcasting. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but you kind of have to hit what theme or market you want to go for. And like you said, you have a narrow pitch with a wide audience. So you're kind of honing on the idea, but so many people out there across the world. So I'm excited for you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. In the industry that you're in, what tips or advice would you give someone that maybe wants to go into that travel agency? your real estate industry to accomplish their goals in there. Yeah. So travel, especially, I mean, it, it's tough, but it really helps having a, a network that you can draw on. Um, you know, that if you look around and say, I don't really have any friends that travel. I don't really have any family to travel. It's going to be tough. Obviously it's not impossible, but, but it's going to be tough. So yeah, it, one of those things that I always think about and, and kind of what, led me to this was, it was, does it make sense? Mm-hmm. And this was something that made sense to me because I've, I've already helped people with this. Um, I, I've already, you know, people know that this is something that I know about, right? I don't have to, I don't have to, to educate my clients and my network on my credentials on this because I've helped a lot of them already. And, uh, you know, they've seen you know, to the, the points of miles piece, they've, they've seen what I've been able to do there. So they know that I, I, I know what, uh, what I'm talking about there. So I would say to anybody thinking about getting in, you know, even before you start, start laying the foundation for what your credentials are. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask your, your friends and family, like, Hey, what are you, would you use a travel agent? Right. And one, one thing that I wish I had done earlier was, and I didn't have a whole lot of ramp up time before I got started because I just had to, but, you know, educating your, your network and your clients on understanding, Hey, 
most of the time, there's no charge for using a travel agent. So it's a win-win for everybody. Uh, a lot of people think they have to pay the travel agent for, to do their booking. And certain things, everybody's a little bit different. So I won't speak for anybody else, but start laying that foundation of, of what your credentials are. Make sure you have the experience that you can draw on uh, because that really helps to be able to start with some sort of specialty. Um, I'm able to draw on my own travel experiences to be able to speak to certain areas of the world and, and certain places that I've stayed that I feel comfortable sending people because I've already stayed there. I know where they are. I know how they are. And I can feel confident that that, you know, that first trip with somebody, or at least the first quote that I send or the first option that I send is something that I believe in and I know firsthand. So start laying that foundation before you even decide to get started if it's something you're thinking about. Um, and I guess that really probably <laughs> stands for any business. It's all, all this is the same advice. Doesn't matter what industry you're in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> work, work hard, do your research, um, draw out your plan and figure out what your, your unique value proposition is gonna be to your clients because pretty much no matter what business you're starting, there's a thousand of them already out there. There's a thousand of them that have failed. There's a thousand of them that are going to fail and figure out why you're going to be the one that does it. I think if people are listening to all my interviews and hearing similar stories, it's kind of saying that you try it. Like, yeah, you may need to try this out because every single person has had that experience where they had to kind of prep themselves to get there. And I think for me, college was that opportunity to find my passion in different areas. Like, never thought I'd be event planning, charity planning, all that. And so with my job now, I'm able to do those events and stuff and kind of show people, this is what my passion was and I'm still able to do it nowadays. So definitely is plan it out and everything. Yep. The final question I'll ask you is from your journey and your experience, for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to rise to their challenge, to overcome obstacles and accomplish their goals? My number one piece of advice for everybody in anything, whether it be business, whether it be personal, anything is own, own your life. You are in control of it. Uh, don't ever let anybody tell you that something just happened to you and there's no, you know, there's nothing you could do. There's no, you know, you've got all the excuses in the world. Don't, don't let that happen. We all have agency. We're all in control of our lives. It may not feel like it, it when something big happens, but start to train yourself to be able to identify where you played a part in whatever it was that happened. Because when you're able to do that, you're able to react a lot quicker. You're able to get yourself into a better position quicker because you're fighting against yourself. And it takes time. Um, it's definitely not something that's easy to do. I didn't just, I wasn't born this way. I had to train myself to really focus every single day on figuring out how I was in control of whatever happened to me. Because um, there's always going to be things that happen, but you've got to put yourself in the best possible position to succeed. Um, and, it's, and, and, and I say that with, with personal, professional, friends, everything. You're in control. You make the decisions in your life and don't let anybody uh, say that they've got control on your life. Like uh, now I'm going to try another quote. It's kind of like with your travel agency, you're the pilot and you're going to go on whatever destination you want to. And don't exactly. Let, don't let someone stop you. Don't let a guest stop you to go yep. away. And I think that's the, a great advice to give someone because I think people are nervous. Like they need someone to tell them what to do. 
I think it's, you have that confidence to say, I want to go there. How are you going to do it? Start playing Absolutely. Out and everything. Absolutely. AJ, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us your rise to the challenge. I definitely learned a lot and I'm excited to see what the future looks like for you and what you're going to be accomplishing. Thanks a lot, Alex. I appreciate it. Had a blast and uh, looking forward to talking to you in the future. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all your favorite major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all our full episodes in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.